Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Welcome to Late Lunch this Tuesday afternoon. Our libraries, we're going to be talking about them a little bit later on. Keeping fit in a lockdown. We'll remember Colm Crossan. We'll hear from the Carpenters, our featured artists of uh, the week. And we're looking for a lost parrot. All coming up on your Late Lunch over the next couple of hours. Don't forget the numbers. 086-1800-658 is the WhatsApp or text number to get in touch with me on the show. Now, we're starting with one of our regulars today. She normally reviews and recommends books for us in Late Lunch Book Club. However, today, Margaret Madden has a story of her own to tell, and she's talking about her own experience in light of the Mother and Baby Home report, which was published last week. Afternoon, Margaret. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Great to talk to you on the show again today. Now, let's roll the clock back to the year 1989. You're sitting, you're leaving, Sarah. You're 16 going on 17. Can I ask you this? I was just thinking about our conversation a little while ago. You know, attitudes, late 80s, early 90s to sex and relationships and becoming pregnant. What was that attitude like in your world at that stage? I'm talking about at home, at school in general. You know, it, it, it hadn't moved on that much. It hadn't moved on as much as you would think um, for the year 1989. I mean, you're thinking about what was out at that stage, like Madonna and um, I made up my mind I'm keeping my baby, you know. Um, mm. No, it hadn't moved on as much as you would have thought. And uh, I learned that firsthand. <laughs> Were you, you know the way parents, I remember in my era, you'd get the warning, don't get us into any bother now with a girl or similarly, I'm sure girls were told about boys. Was that in your, in attitude in your home? It wasn't discussed, Jerry. You know, it just wasn't discussed. You, 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 you I don't know about in your household, but sex was not discussed. Um, mm. If anything came on the TV, it was turned over. Um, you had to get up out of your chair and turn it over though. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and there wasn't sex education per se in school at all. So yes. we were quite naive. We'd no internet. Um, yeah, the magazines, you'd have to go and buy, say, Cosmopolitan to find out anything like that. Yeah, so that's the way you picked it up from places like that and from chitter chatter with friends as well. Yeah, you, were in a rela- yeah. you were in a relationship with another lad that was at your school? Yeah. Yeah, we were boyfriend and girlfriend. So, um, we were in the same class in school. And, uh, yeah, 
things took a very different turn. I had been doing so well in school all my life, really, really well. And it was always presumed that I would be the first person in my family and actually the larger uh, family to go to college. And uh, as I said, things took a bit of a turn. They did because you become pregnant in January 89, but you don't realise you're pregnant for a wee while. No, that's how naive I was. I was four months gone and I was really, really ill. As it turns out, I had a high paremesis, which is just where you vomit non-stop. And it, it had got to this day. And I remember the doctor saying, and, and are you sexually active? And I was like, no, because my mom was in the room with me. <laughs> so I was going to say no anyway. And uh, so they, they were really, really worried. They, they were testing me for leukemia. Mm. You know? But it was another life that had started within your body. You were actually pregnant. Do you remember when that was confirmed? Who confirmed it for you? Was your mum there? My mum was in the in the doctor's surgery with me. Yeah, you know, girls didn't go to the doctor without their their mother at that stage. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, it's all a bit of a blur to be honest with you. But obviously, I broke her heart. You know, yeah. But she was very supportive. Oh God, absolutely, absolutely. From the very first minute, I mean, she she roared crying, and we stayed in the doctor's surgery. I think for an hour chatting, um, trying to kind of get grips to it, and then we had the. uh, we had to go home and tell my dad, you know, so it was a long evening. That was a different story because his attitude was different to your mother's. It was. He was devastated, like devastated. And um, things got very, very tense between us. And the agreement was that I could remain in the family home, but that I had to place um, the baby up for adoption um, yeah, so it was very different. Um, but my parents were quite forward thinking in this and that they said that if I thought after six weeks that I wanted to keep the baby, that they would um, consider allowing me back or supporting me in what decision mm. I was going to do next. Yeah, yeah was, so there the was leeway there. They were saying it wasn't a definite decision when the baby was born. What was the attitude in school, in the neighbourhood, people? Can you remember? Or is that a blur as well? Uh, it's a bit blurry, but I do remember that the principal kind of didn't want me there at all. So I was asked to stay at home, which I did for a while, until my father just got really, really angry and brought me up and said he refused to do that. He wanted me to have an education. And he fought. And, he, you know, um, I went back. Now... It was quite difficult. Um, I was kind of made an example of, um, and there were a few nasty things that happened. Um, but I, I was kind of the first one, so it was perfect for me to be used as an example, you know. Mm. And the boyfriend, he had no role at all in the pregnancy or the birth or beyond that? No. None at all. Okay. Now, the baby is due in September. You do, I know, in the interim, sit your leaving cert badly, as you said to me. It was a disaster for you. It was a disaster, yeah. I mean, I was heavily, heavily pregnant. I was an emotional wreck. I had no idea what I was going to do. I had just turned 17. Um, Yeah, I sat the exams, but I walked out in the middle of the history one. I just couldn't. Uh, yeah, and um, ironically, history was one of my favourite subjects. Uh, it, mm. just, it was too difficult. I couldn't do it. Anyway, you head for the Rotunda. You're booked in there to have your baby late September. Um, what's that like for a 17-year-old going in to a, a renowned hospital like that? Were you welcomed with open arms? Absolutely not. God, no. Far from it. I mean, the midwives and the nurses were lovely, but the doctors were not. 
um, the doctor that I, I actually went private. My and my mum <laughs> brought me to the doctor that had delivered me, and he was a devout Catholic. So as you can imagine, this didn't go down too well. And he sent my mum home because it was a very, very long labour with some sleeping tablets and told her to go home and get a rest. And the minute she was gone, he just switched. Um, at one stage, even as I was kind of screaming with pain, leaning down and, and saying into my ear, not even in a whisper, um, it's your own feckin'... Well, he said it worse than that. <laughs> it's your own feckin' fault you got pregnant and you're in this state. My... Oh, my. And that was the man caring for you and bringing a baby into the world. Well, she arrived, Sarah, and she was a big baby. She was 10'4". She was massive. And I'm only 4'11", so... (laughs) (laughs) It was a big baby for sure. But look, there she is and she's yours. But you do know in the back of your mind that you're going to have to hand her over for a time anyway. Is that, you know, that to be in that mindset, thinking about that and in the throes of a delivery and you 17 years of age... Yeah, that was that was absolutely horrendous because they handed her to me um, after she'd been cleaned up and whatever, and I got to hold her for a minute. My mum was there, and then they took her off me, and I didn't get to see her for three days. And the only reason I got to see her at all was that I just had a complete meltdown and, and just insisted on seeing her. Every day I was like, where's my baby? Where's my baby? I want to see her. I want to see her. And they kept on saying she wasn't well. She was up in the NICU. Um, I knew that wasn't right. I knew that that there was nothing wrong with her, that she was a big, healthy, bouncy baby, ready. She looked like she was ready to go to school. She was so big, you know. (laughs) Um, And eventually they did bring me up, but told me I had to remain sitting in a wheelchair. I I was only allowed to hold her with a nurse literally sitting right beside me. It was just very, very strange. Sorry, tell me about um, tell me about the uh, memory you have of the other young girl that was there. Yeah, um, although I was a private patient, I was put into a public ward. You know the way it goes with with maternity hospitals; you just never know on the day. Um, so there were uh, six other women in there with me um, and an empty bed. And in one of the beds, there was a girl even younger than me. She was fourteen, and she had just had a baby girl as well. Now, while she was allowed to have her baby beside her all along, she knew that this baby was going to be taken because she had actually been raped by a family member. And uh, they came in and and the social worker came in on, on day four, I think it was, and took the baby. And I will never forget the screams that came out of that girl. She howled, absolutely howled. Like, it was just guttural the pain of it and I think eventually they had to sedate her because it all just stopped after a big swish of the curtain and lots of doctors and nurses going in you know that stays with you Margaret Sarah goes to Eglinton Road in the care of the nuns there and she's there for six weeks you go there every day yeah um I do I I I think it was presumed that I would drop her there and you know, kind of move on with my life, go back out with my friends and and change my mind kind of thing. But I knew, I I knew the minute she was born that I wasn't going to be separated from her and I was determined. Um, So I went over every day. I would get um, a bus from uh, where I lived, which was Malahide, and into the city centre. And then I would transfer from there um, on the second bus and go and see her every day. Yeah. 
So every day, whether you hold her, you change her, you feed her, but you have to leave her behind. You never had a doubt, even though you'd signed preliminary papers for her to go into their care. You you knew firmly in your mind that your mother was behind you. Your dad was still the issue about this whole thing, wasn't he? He was. And, and while he, he kind of can't really remember that much about this time either, I think a lot of it is, I think we both kind of blanked a lot of this out of our minds. Um I, I, I have to see it from a parent's point of view. He he wanted me to have what he considered to be the best future and, and to get on with my life. And um, I think at the time, people believed that the only way you could do that was to give your child up for adoption, you know. And we are talking, folks, about 1990 here, 91 and those type of years. It's very recent memory, I have to say. You and I spoke about this at length yesterday. You mentioned the word damaged goods. Yeah, it was it was presumed that I was going or It was kind of mentioned that I was damaged goods, like people, my chances of meeting a partner uh, and, and them wanting to take me on um, were, were deteriorating the closer it got to the six weeks, you know, that kind of way. Um, yes. Some people were, were suggesting that I would never really find a husband, which is, you know, what people wanted for their daughters then, to find the perfect yeah. husband. Yes, or, you know, uh, if it was to be a husband or a career, whatever they wanted to do in life, they would see this as something that would be an impediment uh, to moving forward. Now, you did bring her home, which is the wonderful news. And tell us the moment you arrived home with your mum, of course, and Sarah and your dad, what you did with her. Yeah, even my dad hadn't really seen her. He'd only briefly seen her in the hospital. And um, I walked into the kitchen with her um, and immediately just cheekily just walked up and plonked this big, big baby into his arms and said, there you go, that's your first granddaughter, your first grandchild. And he just looked at her and said... Oh, she's a grand baba. She's a big baba, you know. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, and that was Lovely. it. Yeah. And that was that was the moment. That was the mending of ways. And you knew then and he knew and everybody knew full support behind you. Mm. But it's fair to say that within the community and uh, maybe a little further afield, it wasn't easy for you or your mum or the family with a baby arriving home. It was. a single mum. No, no. Um, although my mum pushed the pram with her held her head held high, I didn't. Um, my head was kind of hung down. I was kind of, I kind of felt like I was being stared at constantly. And I was, I was being stared at constantly. And even going in to collect her unmarried mother's allowance, which is what it was called then, uh, which was pittance, by the way, if anybody thought that you were able to survive on that, I don't know what they were thinking. Um, it, it was difficult. You were treated differently at counter, even in the post office, you know. It was it was mm. really difficult, even though this was 1989 coming into 91, or into 90. Yeah, it was... Yeah, it was hard. It's, you know, when you talk about it in that context, well, anyway, you did meet a wonderful man. You went on to work in the bank and you met Declan mm -hmm. and you've had three children with Declan mm -hmm. and you fostered. I want to tell listeners this again, remind them, you're a wonderful woman, a wonderful family. You fostered nine children as as well yourself. One other little thing, you, you didn't tell Declan's parents about Sarah for a while. <laughs> no, we kind of... We kind of kept that hidden for a while, but sure, you know, we didn't, first of all, know if we were going to be together for very long. And um, my fear was that Declan's family are, are very religious. And I thought if they heard this, they would kind of, 
disown me or try and prevent him from seeing me. Now, incorrectly, very incorrectly, I have to add that. They're, they're great. Mm. Uh, but we didn't tell them for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that's the way you had to hide everything. Mm, mm. Yeah. Look, with this report issuing last week, obviously all this welled up within you and it sets you thinking again. Do you ever, you know, sit down and look at Sarah and think she might have been gone forever somewhere else and I might never know her? Absolutely. And the ironic thing is that she's just moved back in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you never get rid of them. (laughs) So there's five kids under my roof now and myself and Declan. And I do. We're all sitting around the kitchen table and I'm just going, we could be down one. You know, we could be down a child here. Um, Only that I was strong and and I had the support of my parents. Very, very few girls in that era and obviously beforehand had the support of their parents. Mm. Um, and, and while and, I struggled with the sport of, of one for a while, as he eventually came around. And that is a moot point because I've been reading a lot of the report and commentary on it since mm. it issued, I have to say. Too, and yeah. yes, the church, yes, the state, uh, yes, the fathers. You know, you mentioned about that 14-year-old being raped and a lot of girls, you know, the the, the men never stood by them or were gone for good. But society, Margaret, families, your parents stood by it. They did. Um, and in reading all the reports as well, I, I, I was kind of getting a little bit angry. It, um, I do think that society had a huge, a huge part to play in this, especially if there was no, no land involved, as if we've all kind of realised there was inheritance things going on there as well. There, there's, there's no reason why a lot of those girls ended up in those homes other than society and well yes the effect the church and state yep. had on on that but society played a huge part and anybody who says it didn't is just lying to themselves no and that is pointed out uh, very strongly within the report as well and there's no taking away from the other culpabilities i'm saying that clearly now yeah. uh, uh, yeah. but there's an aspect of it that is often perhaps slightly overlooked anyway all's well that ends well you went on and did your leaving search your degree your master's she's going to be a doctor this woman soon <laughs> oh my god almighty isn't it just a great story it really is but look at there is one thing uh, and one song, because I know you love your music, that's very special to you. Tell me why you love this song, because we're going to play it now in a moment. Um, well, all the way over to see Sarah on those two buses, over and back, um, I had my Walkman, the original one with the earphones with the yellow spongy bits on it. And the tape that I listened to over and over again that kept me going was Christy Moore's The Voyage. Um, so there, yeah, every time I hear it even now, I get obsessed. Um, but it's still... It all's well that ends well, as you said. You can shed your tears in private now as we say goodbye. We'll see you next week for the books. God bless you. Bye, hon. Thank you, Margaret. Bye. Bye. Yeah, Christy Moore and The Voyage, especially for Margaret Madden this afternoon and all those who've been touched by the Mother and Baby Homes report and who have stories to tell. We think of you all this afternoon on Late Lunch. Did you see a long-lost family on the television uh, last evening? Davina McCall, it's a great show. Oh, but last night's really touched the nerve, didn't it? 1974, Kevin and Phyllis have a baby in London. Has to be adopted. Nobody wants to know them. And... 
they're reunited after 45 years. Ruben was the son, went to Spain, but they found him and he found them and all is well. All real tearjerker altogether. Great show, that long lost family, I have to say. Now, still to come on Late Lunch this afternoon, we're going to help you with your exercise. Yes, Loudoun Mead County Councils have come together and they've put together a lovely new programme. We're going to be talking about it for the uh, next few weeks on Tuesdays on Late Lunch. And uh, we'll be meeting a, a lady we met last time in lockdown, sort of towards spring, early summer last year, Sue Masterson. She's a great story coming up after news and weather at two. Don't forget, if you want to join in the conversation on the show, if you have anything to say to us today, the best way to get directly to me is WhatsApp or text. WhatsApp or text me. 086-1800-658. That's the number. Put it in your phone. 086-1800-658. Or if you have a phone, you can call 1857-15958. What do people be thinking at times? Honest to the Lord. Did you see that story? Well, it's only after coming out in the last hour or so, a court hearing this morning, a Starbucks Dublin outfit has been ordered to pay €12,000 compensation to an Irish customer with Thai heritage after an employee drew what was referred to as slanty eyes on the woman's cup. In other words, you know when you go to Starbucks, they put your name or whatever on the cup and then they know who it is or if you're at a table or whatever. Somebody... But that was an unbelievable slur to do that on the, on the lady's cup, on the person's cup. I don't know whether it was a lady or a man. Um, but 12,000, they're going to pay for it. 12,000 it's cost them in court today. What do people be thinking, honestly? Late lunch, LMFM radio moving on. Well, my next guest, we spoke to her back early doors when the pandemic came upon us last year, uh, late spring, early summer, and she was a breath of fresh air. She really was. And I've been meaning to go back to her for, for uh, some time. And I am today. I'm delighted to say hello again to Sue Masterson. How are you, Sue? I'm not too bad, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Just before we talk to you about you, you know all about Margaret Madden, who was with us top of the show, and I know you're familiar with her story. Yeah, I am indeed. I read it actually last night. Incredible story. She mm. was one of the lucky ones to have the support of her parents as well, which is just phenomenal. So, um, yeah, her story was very touching, I have to say, when I read that last night. And it resonates with you too, because you were a bit later, you were expecting as well and not married, but you had wonderful, uh, a wonderful support around you and the family network. Oh, I was very lucky. I got pregnant in 1999. I was only 22, unmarried. I've had two boys out of wedlock. Um, and uh, yeah, but I was very lucky with my parents. I told, I remember when I was pregnant on my first child, on, on Sean, and uh, my mom found out and I was bawling. And my mom always liked to kind of keep us, she hated to see us unhappy and, and sad and stuff. And she said, and so she'd always use humour. So she gave me a hug and said, it's going to be all right. But have you never heard of contraception? <laughs> so that's yeah. the first thing she said. Which was, yeah. she was she was a remarkable lady, but then she said she'd tell my dad. And mm. she, um, so when my dad came in from work, I, I, I still remember it clearly. Like I was sitting in the armchair. We had a sitting room and a dining room and doors between it. So I was sitting in the back in my armchair with my back to the double doors. And dad just came in and dad was a gentleman, a lovely man. And he just rubbed my head as in like, it's okay, we'll support you, it's okay. But he couldn't talk because he was upset, do you know, that way. But he was like, I, 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 honestly, I had 
the best parents. They were just such incredible support. They've both passed away now, but I think of them every day like they're just your luck I'm their legacy now Jerry. I'm their yeah. legacy <laughs> and their grandchildren as well but what is it with us Irish men at times we do find it difficult to deal with things and actually talk you know what I mean yeah, that gesture yeah. you know I can see what your dad did just like Margaret's father as well when she handed him the baby in a way in a roundabout way you got the support and the acknowledgement but we do find it hard don't we men to express our feelings yeah, 100%. And like I have to say, like, dad, my boys to my dad, like, they were the world to him. Do you know that way? And they were mm. so close. And he was such great support because I lived at home then until my youngest lad was three, well, three and a half. And so he kind of grew up with my dad as a role model. And to be honest, you couldn't ask for a better role model, male role model in his life than my dad. He was just fantastic. Uh-huh. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Now, what does this number mean to you? And and correct me if I'm wrong, 619, (laughs) is that the number that's significant today? That is 619 days alcohol-free. Well done, you. (laughs) Well, well done, you. Like, this is some journey you've been on. Just remind us again, what prompted you 619 days ago, almost two years at this stage, to say, I'm done? I kind of knew, do you know what it was? I knew I was starting to drink too much. Do you know that? To be honest, like it was the Friday night, I'd have a glass of, not a glass of wine, I'd have a bottle of wine. Saturday night, I'd have a bottle of wine. Then I went to midweek and you'd split a bottle over like two nights. And then before you know it, four nights out of seven, you're drinking. And now that's me sitting at home as well, you know, watching telly or whatever. And I kind of was like, right now, this isn't good for me. This really isn't good for me. So I just, I saw an ad then on the, on Facebook for one year, no beer. And it was, I love challenges, Jerry. I absolutely love challenges. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, I'm going to do it for 28 days, first of all, then the 90 days. And then I've gone on to be 619 days. It's just great. And it's such an encouragement, I'm sure, to others who feel like they'd like to chuck it at this point in time. Have you ever been, uh, you know, tempted? Has there been a time it's been a close call that you might have taken a little sip? No, I just won't now because I just, do you know what it is? I'm so competitive against myself as well. I don't want to go back to day one. (laughs) So Mm. I'm like, no way. I'm keeping this going. I'm very lucky that, yeah, I have had nothing now, even during, I, I feel so grateful that I'm actually alcohol free for all this pan- this pandemic for lockdown because I've seen and I've heard people so many people actually reach out to me personally as well about their alcohol intake that it's increased during the pandemic and everything so I feel just so lucky not to be where they are now do you know that kind of way that I've passed mm. that and I look nothing I've seven days of the week back no hangovers when I'd actually get hung over um, I'd I'd get very sad. I'd miss my parents, do you know, that way. And just get very depressed. So I don't have any of that anymore. So the, like, it's just, like, yeah, it's just um, fantastic. You are just such a, a bubbly person and have a zest for life, but it's even more so. And, and you're saying that since you, you chucked the alcohol. And you're right. You know, when you look at sales of alcohol and the amount being consumed at home by people, lots of people turn to the drink as a crutch to help them through this time. Yeah. But there's yeah. so much to be said, isn't there, for not having all the downsides that go in. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, I've I've gained so much from stopping uh, alcohol, from stopping uh, drinking. It's just, it's incredible. There's so much more to do every day. Like I, I get up earlier, I'm more of a full day. I'm more yeah. 
Like, I'm always kind of driven anyway, but I'm driven even more so now. Do you know that way? Like, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's great to hear it. You're the poster girl. I'm a poster girl. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) You certainly Um, are. Yeah, but I couldn't couldn't see me actually going back drinking. I'd I'd be very, very surprised if I did. I'd be very surprised. Now, the other thing is you had a look at was you're a big fan of eating takeaways. And uh, yes. you, took a, you, you took a stance on this as well. You said, listen, I'm, I'm not going to bother. I'm going to chuck this as well. Now, I know you had um, a, a trip uh, to ED in hospital uh, yes. on a number of occasions. And, you know, you know, when you're in hospital, you come out or whatever, it's easy to pick up the phone and ring or whatever. But yes. you got a sort of an awakening on this as well, didn't you? Yeah, well, I decided when I had done the year of no alcohol, I was like, oh, what else can I do a year of no, no, like, uh, so I said, I'll do a year of no takeaways. So that actually lasted um, 275 days. What happened was in the space of six weeks, I was in A&E four times between myself and my son. It was just accident prone time anyway. But there was one evening that I just went, I can't cook. But I said, I'll get a takeaway on the way back. And I, I tried everything not to, but I was exhausted. And I just knew I couldn't cook and I knew we had to eat. But I used to love my battered sausage meals. And I tell mm. you something, Jerry, <laughs> I ate the part of the battered. I couldn't even finish it. It was vile to me. I could feel the full, even thinking of it now. <laughs> oh, my God. It was just all fat in my mouth. And I was like, oh, no, thanks. No, thanks. So um, I'm doing my own food again. I'm actually starting to eat really healthy now in the past couple of weeks. And, um, yeah, I don't, takeaways are definitely not for me now anymore. So you had a little break. You went 275. You had those issues and they were stressful as well. You went to go back to the handiness and you said, no, that's not for me. And there's another benefit in this. I believe uh, you'll have to uh, tighten the belt again, will you? Oh, yes. In the past two weeks, I joined Slim and World because I was like, cause I remember saying to you last time, it was May last year because that was just after the year I was um I had hit my year alcohol free and I remember I'm losing my train of thought because I talk for Ireland and um, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, yes. I was like, I wanted to be the fittest and the, like, the slimmest and everything by next May. So I still have that goal in my mind. So I joined Slim World and I have lost half a stone in the two weeks. Good on you. You're flying. Yeah. You're absolutely flying. The other thing, you, you are a woman who set yourself, uh, sets yourself goals and targets. What's this about uh, reading? I know you're reading at the moment Opera Winfrey, uh, yeah. what I know for sure. That's your first book. But you've made a commitment on reading as well, haven't you? Yeah, I have indeed. I want to read. I, I would have been a, re- a not a huge reader years, like years ago when the boys were young. Do you know that way when they'd be out at like play centres and stuff, I'd bring a book and read it but I haven't read in years and I went right this is the year that I wanted it every year I like to aim for something new that's just the way I am I was like right I want to read 12 books and to others that mightn't be a lot to me it is but look Oprah Winfrey's book is just fantastic it's very easy to read so yeah so God knows what I'll be reading this year but um, yeah I'm really enjoying taking the time out and just having an evening where you just can like kind of read a couple of chapters or whatever and uh, so that's yeah that's one of my goals for this year it's a nice, easy target and it's escape as well when you pick up a book and you get into it. Would you recommend yeah. this? Would you recommend Opera's book? 100%. It's called What I Know Now. And I tell you, I could tell you what I know now about so many things in the past couple of years. So uh, it's, a, it's a really, really good. I'd 100% recommend it. 
There you go, folks. There's another one. She's taken Margaret Madden's job from her as our late lunch boot club <laughs> Sorry, <Margaret>. girl. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm only joking, Margaret. God, I don't want to lose that woman at all, ever. <laughs> anyway, uh, what was it to say? Did the other thing you've been uh, dabbling at, tell me about NLP and this course you completed. Yeah, I did um, neuro-linguistic programming. So it's kind of, it's, a, it's like personal development as well in a way, you know, that way. And it's just kind of a way to learn how to break patterns in your mind and um, and things like that. So it's great. Like there's, it's it's so funny. Like I could, I can be tough on myself at times as well. Like I think we all can, but there's a certain thing like with NLP, it just makes you kind of, it's, I don't want to say rewire your uh, your mind in a way, but it's um, it makes you. Sorry, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought. <laughs> but it makes like if I'm ever having a tough time, I'm just like stop it, too, stop it, too, stop it, too, stop it. Too. Do you know that kind of way? There's different yeah. things that different tools and techniques that you can use to um, help yourself get out of the moment that you're in. I guess. Do you know that way? But, okay. Yes. Yes. I hear I do, what I'm not explaining yeah. that very well, but um, I I used to do every month um, do a skills night, and I haven't done it for a couple of months. So I said I'll go back now in February and start doing that. So it's a couple of hours each evening. Mm. So um, because I haven't, to be honest, like I won't lie, I haven't practiced it for a couple of months. So I do need, to, but I I definitely recommend it. And I know the okay. Irish Institute of NLP is has their course coming up next month. Okay, so it's been helpful to you and it's something that you must work on all of the time. Well, listen, uh, 619, 7.30 will be the two-year anniversary. So I'm putting that down in my diary that in 111 days' time, we'll uh, tic-tac with you again and celebrate the two years of (laughs) alcohol-free. Well, keep on going. Anyway, it's great to catch up with you. Thanks so much, Sherry. Take care. Take care yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The wonderful Sue Masterson there. She really is uh, the post girl for chucking the booze she really is 619 days and counting you're with late lunch on lmfm radio this tuesday afternoon we're heading to a short break and afterwards i couldn't believe this when eamon uh, got in touch with me and uh, broke the news to me uh, over the weekend that column crossan had passed away and i was really sad to hear it it was totally unexpected well you know i spoke to column and thank god i did on late lunch back last summer and as we tribute to column we're going to go back to that interview after this short break you may recall last summer we marked 30 years since italia 90 and i was delighted to talk to so many of the characters who were central to that time. I remember talking to Steve Staunton. Oh, great chat with Steve. Martin Gary. We had uh, so many people. They're just names that come to mind, uh, as I sit here today talking to you. But there were many more besides. George Hamilton was with us, of course, as well. But another of those that we talked to was Colm Crossan. And I have to tell you that I first met Colm back in the early 1980s on a fun trek holiday with my good friend and best man, Eddie Joyce. And Colm led that holiday and he was just such fun. And we had such a great, great time with him traveling across Europe with Fun Trek. Then I came upon him in later years through football and his involvement with Dundalk Football Club as well, where he was deeply involved for a time and was a great supporter of the club. But the Crossan family, of course, synonymous with garages and transport. In fact, I, I live on Ballamackenny Road and there was a Crossan garage on the Ballamackenny Road in Drogheda, near to where I live now. And of course, they were up at uh, just outside Dublin, Dundalk, all over the place, but a very well-known and respected 
respected family. Well, I got the shock of my life, as I was saying a few moments ago, when I heard of Colm's untimely passing after a short illness over the weekend. So I want to go back to our chat on the 15th of June 2020, again, remembering Italia 90. And Colm is here talking to me about hiring a train for 1,100 Irish supporters. There was some sort of madcap rumour that people um, bought into that Ireland was going to be drawn in northern Italy. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and the whole idea of travelling over land seemed quite attractive because of the flexibility of it, not getting tied into uh, flights and stuff like that. But of course, what actually happened was that Ireland were then drawn in the islands so in Sicily and in Sardinia. But we went ahead with this, uh, with this train, this chartered train. Uh, uh, 1,100 people, like I say, uh, left from Dunleary to Holyhead, down through England, down through France, and on into Italy. Um, I don't know the exact distance, but I mean, there's over 3,000 kilometres. I think it took about 30 hours. I'm sure many people who were on it felt that it took three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Colm, they can they can still feel the sores on the backside thirty years later. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, and um, the uh, I suppose to say that facilities were primitive would be no understatement. You know, uh, there wasn't exactly a sort of a, it wasn't the Orient Express. There was no coffee carriages and stuff like that. I love it. But here's the thing. Not alone did you travel by train over land, you actually put the carriages from this train onto boats and sailed the train across to the islands. Yeah, you make me sound like Popeye there that I put the train on. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, that, that was... So if, if you recollect, uh, we had one match in, um, in Sardinia, which was the first match against England. And then we had the next two qualifiers, which were in Palermo. Now, to be fair to the first game, we went by ferry across. Mm. Um, but for the last two games, which included the infamous one against, uh, against Holland in Palermo, there's a very short distance between the toe of Italy and Sicily. And the arrangements are that uh, the train will actually literally go on to the ferry and you literally sit in the train as it uh, as it as it as, as it crosses the short distance to mm. uh, to Palermo, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was an unusual an unusual <laughs> feature. Of it was. I was just trying to envisage that as I was thinking about it. Now tell the story of that Holland game because the fans very nearly didn't make the game, and in fact, we're a little bit late getting into the match. What happened? Well, that sends a shiver down my spine, uh, even just to think about it. Uh, the context of it was this was the third game of uh, third of three games in the qualifiers, uh, and uh, Ireland were uh, were in the mix, so it needed a result uh, in uh, in the game against Holland, and so people were travelling in very good spirits. There was great crack. Um, uh, that probably got used to the crazy train journeys at this stage, and uh, after tra- after uh, we travelled, uh, you know, across the Straits and into Palermo, the train stopped, and uh, it stopped in this little uh, this little village in a train station in this little village, 
And um, we assumed initially this was just one of the many quirks of Italian train travel, but mm-hmm. it actually turned out to be a little bit more serious than that. There was, um, there, there was a strike uh, from factory workers where they had blockaded the line further up the way and were uh, making this demonstration, preventing uh, people travelling by train um, to the match as a consequence. So um, we got wind of the word of this. I don't know that the general population on the train uh, actually got wind of the word. Um, and it looked, uh, it looked as though we were potentially heading for a really serious situation with 1,000 or 1,100 people not being able to get to the match and spilling out into this one-horse little village uh, which probably had one rickety TV <laughs> in, a, in a cafe type of thing, you know. Um, so it, things were not looking good, I can tell you. And um, this was a time for heroes to say. And um, so one of the one of the team uh, who was fluent Italian speaker and was uh, a union man. Um, uh, we trundled him into the police car and sent him up to negotiate with the strikers on the uh, on the track some miles up the road, and um, he successfully manages to go negotiate with them on the basis of lads, these are your brothers, these is the proletariat, this is the working class that's on this train, uh, the fat cats have all flown in. <laughs> Don't stop your socialist brothers from uh, your, 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 your working class brothers from getting to the game. And amazingly, it worked, Sherry. Uh, it was the only train that was allowed uh, through that strikers blockade that day. Yeah, Colm Crossan, the fixer. Oh, what a man he was. You just hear him there. He was such fun. He really was. And uh, he told that story there brilliantly about getting the uh, Irish supporters to the Holland game on time. We remember Colm Crossan today on Late Lunch. And may I extend our sympathies to his wife, Perpetua, and his children, Ashling, Creva, Killian and Shane. May Colm rest in peace. Gone, but never forgotten. He was a great guy. He really was. Late lunch, LMFM radio. It is the 19th of January and the 19th of January in the Kelly household is a huge day because that was the day our first son, Jared, was born. I'll never forget it. I can see it today. And I remember going home to my late father, Brendan, and telling him that he had a grandson and the joy that that brought to all of us and has ever since. Well, I have a very, we want to wish him a happy birthday from all in the family, but from his wife, Shauna, and his own little daughter, Pippa, they want to say thanks. They love you so much and they know you love this fella. It's Billy Joel. For you, Jared. happy birthday. Billy Joel, just the way you are. That's it for our Jared. It's his birthday today. Happy birthday again. Late lunch, LMFM radio this Tuesday afternoon. It's still to come on the show. And up next, I bet you tell you what's uh, coming up next after our next break. Yes, uh, Meath and Louth County Councils have come together and they've developed a wonderful programme called Keep Well in Your Community. And at this time on Tuesday for the next few weeks, we're going to be highlighting aspects of this campaign. Today, we're focusing on 
physical fitness. Stay with us on Late Lunch. Loud and Mead County Councils have come together. The new campaign is called Keep Well in Your Community and we're going to be talking about it each Tuesday at this time on Late Lunch. Today we're starting with physical exercise and I'm joined on the show by Graeme Russell and Mary Murphy. Uh, Graeme and Mary are local coordinators, local sports partnership coordinators in Loud and Mead respectively. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jerry. Morning, Good Jerry. to talk to you Jerry, both. You? Thanks very much for taking our call this afternoon. If I could start uh, with yourself, Graham, um, the sure. importance of exercise, like we're hearing about it all the time, even though we're confined, a lot of us to our homes, confined by the 5K, but exercise, you can't overstate the importance. Not at all. It's the one thing we have to keep doing. I mean, it's, you know, for both our physical well-being and our mental well-being, you just have to do whatever you have to do to make sure you get outside and get some physical exercise, during, particularly during these dark months. You know, people find it difficult at the best of times, but, but during this whole COVID crisis, it's about, you know, looking out for each other, but staying apart from each other, but still getting your exercise in. And getting it in just isn't about being physically fitter. It ties into our mental well-being, Graham, as well. Hugely, hugely. The endorphins that are released in the body when you're actually doing physical exercise and even just getting outside and getting your, you know, your, a lot of people working from home and just to get outside, the change of the environment, the fresh air and just, you know, getting yourself physically active. It just gives your, your mind a bit of peace as well. And, you know, it, it, as you say, it's, it's equally important as the physical benefits. Let's bring Mary into the conversation. Lovely to talk to you again, Mary. I'm sitting at home listening today and I'm not somebody that's exercised for quite a while and I'm of an age. And you see, I'm saying to myself, oh, that's all well and fine. That's for the young crowd. They can do that. What do you say to Mary, uh, to somebody of that mindset? Good afternoon, Jerry. Hello, Graham. Um, I suppose we can all fall into that mindset. Um, We don't have to be a particular age to fall into that mindset. Getting outside and, and being physically active, in, in, as Graham says, in the cold, dark days can be challenging. The fact that we're limited to, to the 5K restriction now can provide its own challenges for individuals. But what I would say is that some activity is good, but more is better. And if people could just set one goal for themselves, uh, whether it's to just to go out and do a walk for 15 minutes or 20 minutes every day, you don't have to worry about pace or distance, but... Just to be consistent, set that goal and stick to it every day. And maybe in three weeks' time, review that goal. See how you're getting on and, and maybe set increase the time or even increase the pace. Or if, if walking is, isn't for you, uh, both our, our sports partnerships run a number of programs online for all ages and abilities. Uh, if you do have a little bit of room around your house outside, maybe you could take up uh, some of the 0 to 3k walk to jog or maybe to 3 to 5k walk to jog. We have men only programs, you know, podcasts with um, fitness made easy and exercise videos. There's online Pilates. We have um, yoga relaxation programs. There's there's programs there online which are, um, are, are, are nominal fee. Um, some of them are actually offered free to help everyone, regardless of age, just to overcome that challenge of how to get, how to become that little bit more active. Mm. And it is very, very important to emphasise that again. So it's all there. There's a repository of information, knowledge and guidance there. Graeme, if I'm confined to the house, am I confined to Joe Wicks? No, not at all. I mean, there is, there is, 
you know, there's 29 local sports partnerships. The great thing about the internet is you're not confined to the local sports partnership offerings in Mead or in Loud. You can actually go onto the onto the, the websites of all of the local sports partnerships and there's a whole different plethora of opportunities out there. I mean, Mary mentioned some of the ones that she has. We've got Kids Umber and Pilates and Mature Movers, Inclusive Fitness as well. There's loads of programs. But again, as you say, you're not just confined to Joe Wicks. There's a whole load of opportunities out there. And if you can't find one for you, the other thing is pick up the phone, contact the local sports partnerships, have the type of, of, of exercise you're interested in, and somebody will be able to give you, a, 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 you know, an idea of where you might go to find what you're looking for, particularly if it's online, because that can be difficult for some people to navigate. Yes, of course. Mary, just back to you. You were saying it doesn't matter what age. People struggle at all ages from very young right through with actually uh, exercising and and getting going. Come back to the point of being confined within the house again. When you were in the four walls and they want people to stay there of an age, what do you say to those people today? You know, what can you do in your own home to up your exercise rate? Um. Well, as Graham says, there's a number of different resources available uh, through the websites of, of, of the local sports partnerships and throughout the network. And indeed, people have access, as you say, to Joe Weeks and, and other you know, videos and, and links, whether it's through YouTube or other, or other platforms. I suppose the thing is, you know, even if you're confined in your own home, you know, pick, if you can set your target for um, possibly maybe 30 minutes during the day that you're going to be active... Whether that whether that's you turning on on, on a, the TV and doing ten minutes of um, exercise with using mm. the TV as 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 a, as a backup, or that you're just maybe doing your own form of stretching or something, something that break it down into tiny blocks. But you know, try to reduce the time that you're sitting and the the amount of time, the length of time we sit for, and to get those active minutes in. Whenever suits you, just get up and break up the hour, you know, um, and just go for a walk around the house. Um, yeah. You're skipping rope, or, well, obviously in your house you probably wouldn't be going skipping, but there are <laughs> a number of uh, programs there, whether it's just Pilates or yoga, um, yeah. some form of stretching exercise. You don't have to go, it doesn't have to be intense. If you can just, as I said at the start, some activity is good, but the more you do, the better you will feel. And it does create endorphins. It does make you feel better about yourself and obviously has its own physical benefits. And you can get out with that skipping rope in the garden, but not today. You'll probably need a pair of flippers if it's anything like uh, my garden is at the minute. Graham, back to you, because you mentioned there there are so much and so many resources online developed by the sports partnerships as well. And you guys have been busy, YouTube classes, uh, you know, virtual training courses, workshops, you name it, it's all there. Tell our listeners, Graham, how did they tap into that? Well, I mean, basically you can go onto the, the Facebook page of most of the local sports partnerships, so it's Lowe's Local Sports Partnership, or, and I'm sure Mary can give her own website, it's www.lowe'slsp.com. But if you simply Google Local Sports Partnerships um, or look it up on the Sport Ireland website, you can just click through all of the local sports partnerships, get their websites and, you know, trawl through and see if there's anything of interest. Most of those, as you mentioned, for people you know, who are at home, there is programs showing you what you can do in the sitting room, you know, for people who are stuck inside as well. But I would also say, you know, get outside. Even if it's only into the garden, get outside, get wrapped up and, you know, do a few laps just for the head as well. It's, it's, 
it's really important to get outside and get a bit of fresh air. Wait until either go before, if you're worried about the amount of people around, go out early in the morning, go later in the evening, but just make sure you give yourself a bit of headspace. Yeah, it's so important to get out and see the light of day. And, you know, the days are getting longer. I say it again, and hopefully the weather will pick up a bit. It is to pick up a little bit cooler, but, but into next weekend. So, Mary, no excuses. All the resources are there. Uh, everybody is catered for of all ages and all the time uh, in the partnerships you're working on new angles. Yes, and I just want to say that we, we also have an extensive suite of programmes for people, persons with a disability. Um, and if... If, if accessing um, programs to digital media platforms isn't your thing, the, the, both of our partnerships also have a number of resources that we can send out to people uh, by post. You know, if you prefer to get something in a booklet form, only next Monday we're, we're uh, launching our, um, our DVD, which is a, a Move Well exercise video. It's targeted mostly for older people, but also for people, persons with disability. But it, it, it's a great family resource as well. There's four, um, four dance. It's breakdown from format. I think we're losing you there, Mary. You're coming and going on the old signal. Anyway, the, uh, yeah. go on. Yeah, I was just saying, like, if, if, if um, digital resources aren't your thing or you're, it's not supporting your area with broadband or something, we do have a number of physical resources which are available from our local sports partnership offices. Again, just ring through and we'll send them out to you. Great stuff. Thank you both very much indeed. Nice to talk to you today, Graham Russell and Mary Murphy. Thanks a million. Great, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. This is uh, part of the Keep Well in Your Community campaign, jointly supported by Louth and Meath County Councils. And we'll be back uh, next week with another uh, in the series, series of five coming up over the next five weeks on late launch. Now, a parrot has gone missing. A family are devastated. Can you help? What's the story coming up next on Late Lunch? Breaking news, breaking news on Late Lunch this afternoon. Milo the parrot. I think he's been found. Well, Maeve Behan is on the line. The owner, the distraught owner up until this time is with me. Hello, Maeve. Hello, hello, hello. Very, very happy. (laughs) (laughs) You have him. You found him in the last while. We were going to bring you on here and appeal to people to help us to find this fella. Tell us the story. First off, who is Milo? Milo is our quick Paris, our very beloved little pet. We've had him for three years and um, he's very clever. He has um, all his feathers so he can fly fully. He flies around our house. We don't cage him. He only goes in his cage at night time to sleep and we love him oh, so, so, so much. And the last... <laughs> I mean, two days have been the hardest two days ever, the most heartbreaking two days ever, I can tell you. So he disappeared. He just uh, was gone on Sunday evening, was it? You missed him first. On Sunday evening, we were all in the house. I had been out for a walk. Um, I came back and I was doing a little bit of painting up in a top bedroom here. The children were playing the video games and my husband was watching the Manchester United match. And we just, my husband came up and said, where's Milo? Because he's always around. He's always around, either with the children, with my husband or with me or wherever. He's, he's 
almost like a dog. He's he's not in a cage at all. Mm. So my husband noticed first he raised the alarm. So we proceeded to take the house apart, absolutely apart. My husband, um, he ripped out a bathroom just before Christmas. So there was a little hole in the wall um, going up into the attic. So he went into the attic. He checked everywhere. We checked every room, underbeds, wardrobes, everywhere. I even actually checked in the paint because we, I, I couldn't believe he had, he couldn't have gotten out. There's no way I would have noticed. I would have known, but he was nowhere. He wasn't answering us and he's a very vocal bird. And we were calling, we were getting no replies. So, straight away all up on Facebook um, we were around here all our neighbours came out we have the most amazing community in Ashburn and I've really seen that over the last two days everybody was looking everybody was looking and what do you say to him you know when you call out to him uh, tell us what you say and how does he reply um, people will probably think I'm nuts I was walking around Ashburn four hours this morning saying peekaboo into trees and um, <laughs> Peekaboo, I, he he responds, he tells us he loves us, um, he blows kisses, he calls mommy, um, and then he has a very shrill call as well, very different from, from our native birds. It's, it's a very loud, like an alarming call nearly. And did you teach him this, or did he just pick it up from, you know, they're clever, from listening to your talk? He's, he's the second best Paris um, at, at mimicking people. Uh, the African grey is the best um, and his breed, he's a Quaker Paris, they're the second best. He listens to what we say and we, if we repeat things enough, he'll start to say most, the things he says most, he's he's really my daughter's um, baby. She absolutely adores him and she actually taught him I love you. Um, the peekaboo was just a freak thing. We were playing, like he was up on the banister and I was playing hide and seek with him and, and that's where the peekaboo came from. He says other things, not as clearly, they're really yeah. clearly. Mm, that's brilliant. Uh, they really are intelligent creatures. So oh, you're going around looking into, you're going around Ashburn looking into bushes saying peekaboo. Yes, I think there'll be people actually ringing other people to say, uh, you better check. Yes, you better <laughs> check out maybe something and has gone wrong. Anyway, look, he, you, you thought he did get out and you're outdoors and the community swung in, but still no sign of him. But in the last hour or so, we have breaking news. You found him. Where was news. he? Where was we, he? I was out all morning. As I said, I was out all morning. And um, as I was walking, returning back to the house, my daughter rang me and she said, Mommy, I swear, I think I heard him. I've heard something muffled. And my husband was saying, no, she's imagining things. We have literally turned the house upside down. If he's in the house, he's not alive. Because he's been missing since Sunday night. He hasn't eaten anything. He hasn't drank anything. And he's not responding to our voices, which is not like him at all. So um, I returned back to the house. I kind of thought they were having me on a little bit. And I thought maybe they'd found him. But no, we came back anyway. I said, no, I'm checking the house again. I'm, I'm so convinced he has to be here. We didn't see him getting out. I checked, I literally checked every inch of Ashburn. I have been in every estate in Ashburn <laughs> between yesterday, all day yesterday. People have been out, our neighbours have been out, the children have been all out. He is not responding to calls. He's not, he can't be out there. 
So we decided we'd go and have a good look around the house again. We were looking all over the house, went up into the attic again, nothing. My husband left the attic door open. We all came down into the sitting room and we were all crying and saying, what were we going to do next? And he flew down and landed on the banister. (laughs) 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 So we're feeling a bit foolish, (laughs) but extremely, 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 you can't put into words how happy we are. Oh, we I'm are, delighted. We are so, so happy. Just, just to confirm for listeners, he was up in that attic all the time and he never he budged and he been, never said anything. Never said, never made a sound, said a word. As I said to you, he has a very high-pitched call. You know, sometimes he's here and, and he's on my shoulder and he'd nearly deafen you. It's so loud. Never hmm. responded to any of our calls. So you know what I'm thinking? don't know if he found a comfy spot, if he was under insulation, um, that he, you know that he kind of huddled in and roosted because it's dark there as well. But he he hadn't he well he hadn't he has now he hadn't eaten anything or drank anything from Sunday night and he and he hadn't called out to look for it either. Yeah, do you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking he's the one. Uh, creature in this country who's taken note of what Dr. Tony Holohan has been saying <laughs> since oh, last March. <laughs> Lockdown. Isolate. <laughs> keep away from That's people. Well said. done, Milo. Well done, yes. Milo. Well, oh. Milo's an example. He really is. Anyway, all's well that ends well. I believe you were in floods of tears. Is this true um, that you were really one upset? One of my neighbours, one of my neighbours, I, I, I haven't stopped crying for two days, neither have the kids. Um, one of my neighbours said her children saw me this morning and then said, I don't think she's crying today, Mammy. We were... Absolutely distraught. I, I, mm. I really. My, my daughter cried. All she's actually turning thirteen at the weekend, and I just thought, oh my god, this can't be happening. But she has informed me she doesn't want a birthday present. She has everything she needs. So ah, lovely, lovely, lovely. Yeah, a really happy end, and thank. God. It really is a great ending to a story. You know, sometimes these don't end so well and when they get out, you know yourself, if he got out he would be in trouble this weather, you know, not Absolutely. knowing how to fend for himself and everything. But look, he did the right thing. He lay low for a few days and he's he back, did. bigger and he brighter did. than ever. So I'll say thank you for telling your story today, for uplifting all of us and I'll say goodbye to you, Maeve. Peekaboo. Thank you very much, Peekaboo. <laughs> <laughs> Take care of yourself. Bye. You too. Bye. 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 May be in there. A lovely story. I actually remember years ago we had a budgie. Uh, we've had a few budgies, not in recent times. And didn't he get out? He used to be out a bit around the house, but he disappeared. All oh, those ructions. I know what she's talking about there. There was nearly World War Three in the house over it. And I was blamed and everything. Anyway, like that. He was up stuck. I think it was in the hot press or somewhere he got into. And he was lovely and snug and there wasn't him. It, a peep out of him for 24 hours. But we got him back anyway. But people love them, don't they? We love our pets. We certainly do. And we will be talking about pets next week. Sinead Kelly, our regular vet, will be back with us on late lunch. We're heading to news, weather and sport at three o'clock. And after three, I'm coming back to the Carpenters again today. They're my featured artists of the week. And your local library, it's there, it's open, it's working away and it's a wonderful resource and we're going to hear all about it on your late lunch. We spoke about
about Colm Crossan, who passed away unexpectedly over the weekend earlier on in the show. And I want to say a big thank you to the Crossan family. Sinead has been on. Thank you for the heartfelt piece on Uncle Colm. Uh, really appreciate it. We were indeed reared on fun trek stories, said Sinead. Nice to hear from you. Uh, Colm's eldest daughter, Ashling, has also been in touch. My whole family are listening to my dad's fantastic storytelling. Thank you for the tribute and for the gift of hearing my dad's voice again. P.S. My mum and dad's wedding song is The Voyage, and we thoroughly enjoyed listening to it too. Lovely to hear from you, Ashling, today, and we are thinking of all of you at this time. Now, my featured artists of the week this week on Late Lunch are The Carpenters. And Karen Carpenter, of course, were brother and sister. But Karen was born on the 2nd of March, 1950. And she played the drums and sang. But as the Carpenters became more successful, she actually became the front woman. And she needed to because she was only five foot four. She was a small woman, five four. So they moved her out front and somebody else then played the drums with the Carpenters. Did you know that she was married briefly? Yes, she did. To Thomas Burris was his name. He was a divorced real estate developer. Uh, he was nine years older than her and the marriage didn't last. She married in 1980. It was ended in 81. It just lasted 14 months, to be honest. And she had said previously in her life that she wasn't interested in ever being married or in a relationship. But she went down that road for a time. She began dieting in school and she was always conscious of her weight to the point that she developed anorexia nervosa. And on the 4th of February, 1983, she was only 32. She collapsed in her parents' home and died of heart failure. Gone far too young, but her legacy certainly lives on. And today's song from the Carpenters was the first Motown song to reach number one on the US Billboard Hot 100 singles chart in the USA for the Marvelettes on the Tamla Motown label back in 1961, 60 years ago almost. Uh, and the Beatles did a cover version of this song in 63. But it was the Carpenters who took it again to number one in the USA in 1975. And here it is. Carpenters and your late lunch this afternoon are featured artists of the week. Mr. Postman, yeah, a lot of people waiting for the post. You heard it here on late lunch. Parcels and letters still arriving weeks after the Christmas Lovely song. I'd love to get a letter. I'd love to get a parcel. I love post. Always will. Always have. Jerry, well done to your book reviewer, Margaret. Some story, a wonderful family. That comes in from Joanne this afternoon. Another one there. Thanks, Margaret, for telling your story to Jerry today. A story, Margaret, that resonates in so many homes and families in this country. And that comes in from Joe. Thanks indeed for your messages to late lunch this afternoon. Now, the library. Do you remember when you joined the library first? Oh, God, I remember. Fair Street and Drogheda, the old library, gone down, paying me a few pennies. And if your book was late, you'd be fined. You had to look after them. And you know the story yourself. Well, libraries have come a long, long way from then to the year 2021. It's a wonderful resource. It's available to us all. And we're going to hear more about it next on Late Lunch. Their doors may be closed, but libraries are open. And to tell me more, Linda Larrigan is Senior Executive Librarian with Louth County Libraries, and she's on the line. Hello, Linda. Hi, Jerry. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Not at all. You're welcome to the show. Well, this is a fact. The doors may be shut, but should the library has moved? I was saying it there before the break so much, especially in the last number of years. It can function even though the doors are closed. You're busy. You're busy behind the scenes. We're extremely busy behind the scenes. 
Um, from the beginning, from the very beginning, we started off helping out with the HSE helpline and community call helpline. And then we just had to adapt our own services. We've always been online, but we really had to move everything online and find new ways to support the community. And it's a great testament to the staff and loud libraries to how we've managed to do that. You know, everybody's had to find new ways of working, new ways of producing content. You know, staff have moved from telling stories in the branch to actually filming themselves. They've all got very good at doing that. And if you look at our Facebook page, you'll see all our online story time there. And we've had to program events online now as well. And um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's constantly going at the moment. We're, we're busier than ever. It's great to hear. And it is a resource and it's at the click of uh, the mouse on your computer if you need it. Just, you know, traditionally people went in and used the, all the resources in the library, borrowed books as well. How much has it moved to an online resource where people, you know, download or get their books in an online format? Well, this has really been the success story of, of COVID, I suppose. Online resources have really come into their own. Uh, we have e-books, we have audio, e-audiobooks as well, which people are finding very useful now when they're going for a walk, just, you know, just for something to listen to books um, rather than reading. And then we have the language learning and classes as well. So with the universal class, so there's loads of stuff online. And it's just, it's really proven popular. You can join online now. You don't have to come into the library. You can just log on join online, you get a temporary ticket and a PIN number and away you go. It's all too easy. But one service we want to highlight while you're with me today is the housebound service. So tell me about that and how it works. Yes, again, this um, it's, we actually managed to introduce a new service during lockdown. We saw the gap in the market of the need for um, a housebound service for people who are maybe older people or people who are vulnerable. Um, we started off at the beginning of lockdown and we continued it, even though we opened and closed throughout that time. So we just want to highlight it now again. You just you can email um, librarylpdesk at loudcoco.ie or ring Dundalk Library. Leave a message if you don't get an answer and staff member will be back to you as soon as possible. You just give us an idea of what kind of books you like, what genre, you know, thrillers, whatever it might be. And then staff will get them ready for you and our very friendly driver will deliver them to you. And collect them then every three to four weeks you, you can get a delivery. You just ring up when you want something new and we'll send them out. This is fantastic because it keeps alive that physical element of reading, the traditional book, which I have to say I love myself. No, I do a lot of work online for sure, but I love a book. There's nothing to beat sitting down, Linda, with a book, the physical book and reading it and putting it down and, and picking it up again. And the demand there is, we want to say there's a big demand for that there still. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, like every, like every other business, staff really want to be back, you know, serving the public, meeting, meeting borrowers coming in and out. That's what we love to do. That's, that's what we're all about. Um, but we're just trying to do as much as possible for the community while, while we're closed. Um, it's all part of the Keep Well, the Healthy Ireland Keep Well campaign as well, which is promoting mental and physical health too and creativity. Mm. So we've online programming now as well. And with the Community and Resilience Fund, we have some manga workshops and a creative writing workshop, which is really proven popular. But the houseband service is the one that we really feel um, is really important at this at this point. So just again, you can call your local library in the Loud area. The local library, Dundalk, is Drogheda taking calls as well, Ardy, that, you know, the whole county or what? Or is it all through the Dundalk? <laughs> It's been managed from Dundalk, but it's it's um, a service for the whole county. It's it not covers everybody. 
Yes. yes. They managed so, from Dundalk. And, um, so you can either email the Library Health Desk or ring Dundalk Library. Okay, and they'll organise for you, no matter where you are in County Loud, to get the books that you want to you. Yeah, that's a great and very important message today. Um, y- y- sorry, we're going to say something else now? No, no, you're fine. Just, um, yeah, if, if you don't get an answer, just leave a message. Um, staff are, are in and out. We, you know, we're trying to keep the um, HSE COVID guidelines, so um, staff are not there every day. And then we can't, we won't be able to get specific titles for you. But you know, we we we're very good at picking books for people, so we can get whatever oh, yeah. you want. Your That's your job, your experience at it. You know the, the way to match the reader to the book. What about you know new stock at this time with the difficulties there are well documented. You know with uh, postage, with you know the way the world is working with the uh, COVID pandemic. Are you able to bring in new stock? You know, update that type of stuff. Is that working well for you? Well, the book suppliers at the moment are not delivering books, but that hasn't stopped us from researching new titles and ordering new titles so that they'd be ready to go. Everything will be ready to go once things start opening up again. We'll be getting all our new deliveries. So, no, there's plenty of new books on the way. So um, when we reopen again, we'll be all set for for everybody then. You'll be ready to go and you'll have them. What what about, you know, particular genres or, you know, what's the most popular? What do people come to libraries? I know you're an informational resource, research, study, but what about, you know, fiction and stuff like that? What's most popular? Oh, um, thrillers are always really popular, popular, any of the crime novels. Anything like that, and it'll depend on on the on the library. Um, Drogheda, I worked in Drogheda last year. I found that uh, thrillers are extremely popular. Historical historical fiction is very popular as well, and mm. with um, younger readers like young adults, a lot of the science fiction, you know, fantasy fiction, that kind of thing. Um, with children, it's it's everything. You know, it's it's still the the old reliables like Dr. Zeus and then to David Williams, everything, and, and classics, every, you know, anything. It doesn't matter what children read once they read, you know, whether it's Mr. Men all yes. the time. It's, you know, we would just encourage them to read anything at all at this stage. And it's important to say, get them reading young, read to them, get, in, get them reading for themselves at the appropriate age they are as well. It's a gift for life, isn't it? It's completely. And we have a lot of online resources for children as well. Um, and now we'll be having our uh, spring into story time coming up in the next couple of months. So there'll be, we probably, hopefully, um, we, I don't know that we will be opened up again at that stage, but we will have lots of online storytelling and events on for that as well. So just keep logging onto our Facebook page, look at our website for any information. You're great and you provide a wonderful resource to the community and wider community as well. And it's great to hear that you are there online and that people can still ring. And I again uh, want to tell our listeners today, the housebound service is there. Books can be delivered to you. Just give the library a shout, the main number in Dundalk, and they'll organise it for you anywhere in the Wee County in County Loud. Linda, wish you well. Always love libraries. Always will. Thanks a million, Jerry. Thank you for joining me on the show. Goodbye. That's Linda Larrigan there, and she's Senior Executive Librarian with Loud County Libraries. I used to remember going borrowing me books. I love them. I really did. And, you know, when you hadn't 
uh, two cents or a couple of shillings to rub together. The, the library was just great to join it and be able to tap into that resource. And it still is wonderful today. And it's moved with the times and it is online there. Check out your local libraries in Louth and Mead or wherever you're listening today and use it. It is there to be used. Anyway, that's all most our lot on Late Lunch for this Tuesday afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Hold on there. Just give me a minute. Hold on. I'm not going anywhere. I just want to do something. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I just want to get the uh, the diary up and just tell you what's coming up tomorrow. It was sitting here beside me. Yes. Do you remember I mentioned yesterday on the show about people retaining the old punts and the notes? Well, we're going to talk tomorrow to Paul Malumbi from the Central Bank. He knows all about it. Deirdre Moran is with us as well to talk about the legal end of the Mother and Baby Homes report. Uh, First time author Rachel Ryan with our new book is here and John Shanahan. Yes, we're going to the States on inauguration day when Joe Biden will become the next president of the United States. All coming up at late lunch tomorrow afternoon. But before all that, yes, Eddie Caffrey's getting ready to go. He's warming up outside there and he'll be in with the most wonderful music. But until tomorrow at the same time, 1.30 at late lunch, we're leaving you in the company of the brilliant Rag and Bone Man and Skin. See you tomorrow. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Strahda Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.